0: Today we are going to talk about the Bible and how uh, the canon, the biblical canon, uh, was decided, Uh, the idea of which books uh, are part of the Bible and which books should not in relationship to the New Testament. Now, I want to share with you uh, four stages uh, in that process that are suggested by Uh, Everett Ferguson, uh, he is a uh, historian who has written uh, a book on the history of the church. And it's, I I think, a rather good uh, concept that he has on the four different stages. So let's begin his stage one, which I think is rather obvious, is that the words and uh, that the uh, apostles shared... About what Jesus said, Uh, to begin with they were oral. There was nothing written down. They orally had heard Jesus. They personally had listened to him teach and share uh, the gospel message. And so they simply repeated that to everyone they saw. So uh, the scriptures at first were orally uh, shared with others. And uh, eventually, that, and that is part of the beginning of the canon, is that those oral things that the apostles were sharing uh, begin to be written down. And uh, so that is uh, what he calls the uh, stage one of that. He also goes into uh, talking about the different writers from different. into the second uh, century uh, after all of the uh, apostles uh, had passed away, uh, where they agreed and said this is, uh, is, they claimed it to be true scripture. The uh, second stage, uh, and actually Tertullian, he quotes him, uh, asked uh, some good questions. Uh, he said, who has the right over scripture to determine what is Scripture and what is not. Then he said, who owns Scripture? And who has the right uh, to interpret Scripture? And whose interpretation should we believe? And, you know, uh, those are good questions that are really all part of the process of our figuring out and deciding which books are part of the canon uh, that make up the New Testament? One of the uh, aspects of stage two is that not everything that has been written, uh, you know, really uh, uh, is correct, or that it should be included. They had to come to the conclusion that there is a limited number of documents uh, that were written uh, that should be part that biblical biblical canon. And uh, uh, one of the major things there was that they ask in their question that sort of answers Tertullian's questions about who has the right over Scripture to determine what Scripture is to be included. Uh, And one of the key things was uh, did the apostles uh, have anything to do with it? is this something a uh, second hand third hand that was after the apostles were gone or are these things that were written in the, either that the apostles wrote themselves or those uh, believers that were very close to the apostles and hung out with them uh, those uh, carried more weight than some of the others and so in the process of determining what would what books would be part of the canon that was very, very important. Uh, sort of the stage three that happened was in the process of determining uh, what writings were okay, what writings were not, is that uh, at the beginning of their discussion of this, uh, what happened was what they called an open canon. Now, an open canon is where they basically were saying, well, we have all of these written documents. And we need to consider all of them because they all could become part of the canon, all part of what we now call the New Testament. And so they begin to uh, change things from an open canon to a closed canon as they begin to realize uh, uh, and understand the different writings that were really accurate, that really, uh, you know, were close to. Not disclosed, but that were based upon the teachings of Christ, they became uh, what they considered to be the canon, and the other, uh, the door was literally closed on a number of the other the other documents. Now, uh, stage four was really, uh, and this really, you know, actually took place in the fourth and fifth centuries, where the Greek and Latin churches. Uh, really agreed about what the new New Testament canon should be. They had picked 27 books, uh, which we know of as the uh, uh, the New Testament uh, today. We have no problems with that. Uh, but they actually uh, adopted that and ratified it at the Council at Hippo in 393, and also at the uh, Council of Carthage in 397, and uh, the 27 books that they chose, they adopted there. It is interesting that there were a few uh, of the early scholars that had difficulty uh, accepting Revelation as part of that, but that, uh, you know, as as we know, was not uh, uh, something that we have uh, suffered with or had to deal with. Uh, there's some additional things that we need to talk about in the settling of the canon, of some of the things that helped them to determine what was to be in the canon and what was not. And the first thing I think is one of the most important, and that is uh, inspiration. Was it inspired by the Holy Spirit? Did the Holy Spirit inspire the authors? And is it obvious from what they wrote that it was the Spirit of God that uh, was behind them in, uh, in what they had to share. Uh, uh, that's really important. Uh, you know, Jesus told us that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was going to be sent after he was gone, uh, and that Spirit of God would lead us into all truth. Well, it's the Word of God, scriptures, that we use to help lead us into the truth uh, of the Lord. Uh, The other thing, which we've already talked about a little bit, and that was the uh, uh, apostolic influence in what was written. In other words, the authors of the New Testament, they felt in some way had to be connected to the apostles. They either had to be an apostle or someone who fellowshipped or talked and discussed uh, Christ with uh, the apostles. And, of course, that Paul spent a lot of time with uh, a number of the apostles, the followers, and that is why there's no question at all regarding Paul's writings. Uh, Then there are uh, also, you know, what about, uh, they use the term antiquity, you know, and that is uh, referring to the exclusion of works and writings that are after the apostolic time period. Uh, One of the issues that came up, and if you were to take a uh, church history class, you would notice that almost immediately, uh, in fact, even while the books were being written, there was a number of false teachers that showed up. In fact, the uh, topic of a lot that Paul wrote uh, dealt with the Judaizers and those who wanted to make sure that uh, Christians, even Gentile Christians, would still keep the law. And of course, Paul said, no, we're not under works. It's not by works that we're saved, but it's uh, by faith through grace that we are saved. So those uh, things were excluded basically because of that. Another uh, issue that they used was, is what was written applicable to the church? They're not just talking about the church there, but uh, some authors use the term the universal church. And I tend to think of it more as, you know, the uh, gospel uh, in the church was growing. It was going out to the Gentile world and to different cultures, cultures that were different than what you would find in Judaism uh, and in Jerusalem. And the question is, does that gospel message, does the truth of Christ, does it speak into all of those uh, situations? And so that was really important. And it still is today. And I can honestly tell you that the New Testament that we know of, even the Old Testament, uh, fits into uh, that category. It is applicable to uh, all cultures, to all nations. Uh, Another a uh, thing that uh, was very important back then was the question of, uh, are these documents being read in the church? Uh, they spent a lot of times uh, reading the different letters and the different books in the church. In fact, a lot of times that was the major part of the worship services that they would have. And of course, when, uh, l- let's take Paul for instance, when he wrote uh, the book of Romans, and he wrote it to the church in Rome, uh, that letter was read to the Roman church. and I'm sure that it was read uh, repeatedly, a number of times, because there was so much information in there. And then uh, those letters got passed around as well, and uh, other churches in other locations uh, read the writings of, of Paul as well. The Gospels were were read, the writings of Peter and of John and the, the other writers of what we know as the New Testament now were read within the churches. And that was an uh, important aspect to the books that they chose uh, for the New Testament. And then the, the last thing, and, and some would say, well, this is the most important, and that is, did the writings have the right doctrine? That goes back to what we talked about earlier about unity, unity within uh, the writings that they included. Uh, the right doctrine, you know, uh, there are a number of writings that took place in the uh, uh, basically the 2nd and 3rd centuries that uh, contradicted uh, the sayings of Jesus. Well, those obviously were not the right doctrine, and so they needed and had to be excluded. Now, another interesting thing that we should talk about here is that in the first century, when Jesus was planning the church, then after he ascended and uh, went into heaven, there's a very interesting quote that I know we're all aware of and have read before in 2 Timothy, 3rd chapter, and starts with verse 16, where it was written there All scripture is breathed. Uh, Is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, what was being talked about there in relationship uh, to Scripture? Well, we need to understand one historical truth. That is the, that the Bible, the earliest uh, book that they, they think is uh, the book of James, that was written probably somewhere between 44 and 49 uh, A.D. Now, others would say that Galatians was the first written uh, either in 49 or 50. But, uh, you know, so uh, Timothy, uh, Second Timothy, was written... Uh, either in 66 or 67. So they were still in the process of putting together uh, what we now call as New Testament Scripture. So the question is, was Timothy talking about the scriptures that had been written up to that time? And if not, then what was he talking about? Well, it's uh, definitely true that the early church used the Old Testament and that they use the Old Testament uh, often in their preaching and in their teaching uh, in order to prove their points about Christ. So, the anointing of the Holy, uh, you know, the Old Testament was so important to the birth of the church. In fact, the scriptures that Jesus quoted throughout his ministry here on earth they were all Old Testament scriptures. Now, I want to read something that uh, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and then we will uh, be finished for today. But he wrote this to the church uh, in Rome. This is in chapter 11, uh, verses 33 uh, through 36. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how unscrutable his ways! For who... Has known the mind of the Lord, or or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Now, what's so important about this passage? Well, uh, uh, this is a quote. Uh, out of the Old Testament, actually two, one out of Isaiah and one out of Job. That verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor uh, comes out of Isaiah. I believe it's chapter 40. Uh, And then, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid comes from Job. So Paul is using Old Testament passages to talk about uh, Christ and all that he has done. So anyway, interesting, isn't it? And how all of this came together. And that uh, gives us the Bible that we have today. So listen, I look forward to our time next week as we will share something else uh, about uh, the Lord and about the history of the church. God bless you.